and welcome to Hampshire Fans Podcast. This is our first edition of 2020. Unfortunately, there's no cricket to speak of, what with coronavirus um, ongoing at the time of recording. Um, so what uh, me and my guests have decided to do is talk about the last 10 years of Hampshire cricket and our best performances in that time, Red Bull, White Bull, you name it, we're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about what might happen to this season and if there is any cricket, what might that look like. With me is um, Ian East, your first time on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks, Ian. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to it. Cool, cool. So um, you're at home, working from home at the moment? Loosely, uh, loosely working from home, yeah. <laughs> so um, with the sort of spare time on your hands, I believe you've come up with some sort of coronavirus Hampshire 11. Yeah, so that shows how much I've been working at home because I've spent a good hour, maybe two hours, thinking of a coronavirus Hampshire 11 um, with a mixture of current players and players from the past. So uh, I can I can get stuck into that if you want. Okay. Yeah, go on then. Let's hear who you've got. Is it in any, any particular order? Batting yeah, I've done, order? Bat- I've done it in batting order as well. Okay. <laughs> so you sort of... It's an actual 11 that could take the field. Yeah, I think rest. so. We might, we might be a little bit light on fast bowlers, but I'm backing the ones we've got to do the business. Okay. Well, let's uh, hear right. it then. So, to open the batting from the current team, we've got Ollie Stay at Soames. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Very good. And uh, he's opened up with Tony Covidleton. Right, yeah. Okay. Num- <laughs> Number three, we've got Robin Side Smith. Okay. At number four, we've got John Pawley. <laughs> okay, yeah. Number five, the captain is Mark Sickerless. Right. <laughs> number six, all-rounder, we've got Liam Stayen Dawson. Okay, yeah, good, good theme there, yeah. Yeah. Number seven, uh, did I say seven? Yeah, no, so, yeah, number seven, we've got Nick Poe Lockdown. Mm, it's been a week, that one. <laughs> no, but... Number yeah. eight. Demi Mask Karenis. Okay, yeah, your face okay. mask. Yeah, very good. Uh, where are we at? Uh, nine. We've got Trevor Chesty Cough. Okay, yeah. Ten, the wicketkeeper, Bobby Closed Parks. Okay. <laughs> and eleven is Cofidel Edwards. Right, okay. Yeah, so I think we bat a long way down, basically yeah. ten with that. Yeah, but, we've got like um, three bowlers. Yeah. So we'll have to sort of hope to bat first and get plenty of rest for Fidel, I think, with that. Yeah, Fiddy and Demi have got a lot of work on. And then we bring Liam on to bowl about 50 overs. Yeah, that's why Trevor Jesty can chip in too as well. So yeah. as long as he gets rid of that cough. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there were some other ones that didn't quite get in. Benny Lynn Howell didn't quite get in. Right, okay. Or Joe under the Weatherly as well was just uh, just missed out on the cut as well. Uh, yeah, he, he would have done. He, he, I think he'd be a good 12th man there. Um, yeah, there was, there was one ben. more, and there was a guy called Philip Weaver who played in two games for Hampshire in 1938. So he was Philip Fever, but I, c- I couldn't get him in because <laughs> it's just too, too long ago and not enough games, I mean. Yeah, a bit tenuous <laughs> there. Anyway. So moving on to sort of more serious stuff, um, 
the danger when we do a lot of these podcasts is that things don't stay very relevant for very long. But what with the no cricket looking like it's going to be played anytime soon, we're going to look back at the last 10 years of Hampshire cricket. How do you think the teams or whatever you call the last decade went for Hampshire? Well, let's start, start with the one-day stuff because that's the positive. Um, the one-day stuff couldn't have really gone much better. When you consider you've got 18 counties, some of them have barely even got to a finals day or got to a final. And we've been to numerous ones. We've won trophies in both formats. Um, we've had a double in there as well thrown in. Um, disappointing we didn't win it last year, but still a really good tournament. In fact, I felt we played a lot better cricket last year than the year before when we won it, apart from the final when we were just short of a couple of players, which really killed us on the day. Um, so that would, that would be the main positives, would be the two, the two one-day formats. Slightly disappointing in the championship in terms of we've not really competed to try and win it yet. Although, ironically, at the time this year, was probably our best chance. Mm. I think we've got the younger players that have come through the last two or three years that are all starting to get better. We've got a really good bowling attack with Fidel and Kyle Abbott, uh, with Nathan Lyon coming over as well. It was kind of Keith Barker as well. It's kind of made made for us to compete this year, and obviously this has robbed us of that chance. Mm, that's right. Yeah, that was the thing that you know the championship to some extent during the last decade was you know the thing that perhaps let Hampshire down but it was starting to come good towards the end of the decade wasn't it that the first couple of seasons of the last decade they were fighting relegation from division one sent spent the next part of the decade trying to get out of division two and then had a few years of struggling to stay in division one again and combined with the last two seasons where basically we're safe early on and even had a few brief hopes in May of actually winning the thing. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. And again, had we not, I know every team's lost players as well, but you take Dawson, Vince, and at the time Aidan Markram out of our team, it was our, it was three quarters of our batting lineup. Mm. And you just can't cope with that amount of absence at county championship level. You can maybe do it at international level where you've got maybe five or six other lads that can come in and do the same job, but you can't lose that sort of quality from your team and then expect to win the, win the title. Yeah, so anyway, it's been a thoroughly enjoyable decade, I would say, in that there's always been something going on, I think, that, uh, yeah, finals days, uh, trips to Lords, and um, generally we would be at one end or the other of the table. So, you know, there was various last great escapes and things like that. So I'd say it's been far from dull. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so let's start. I mean, you, you might, those of you that follow the Twitter account, you might remember just before Christmas, um, we did a poll on the best batting performances of the last decade. Let's focus on Red Bull cricket. And yeah. the choices I gave our followers to vote on was Carberry scoring 300, not out, against Yorkshire back in 2011. James Vince, 240 against Essex in 2014. 
Neil McKenzie, 237, and that was in the same game as Michael Carberry's 300. And there was a knock of 207 for Jimmy Adams back in 2011. Our listeners voted for Michael Carberry's knock. What what was your favourite of the four? It's hard to not pick that. Anyone scoring 300, it's so rare that um, it's hard to it's hard to pick someone else over him. Um, yeah, I'm happy with that. I, I picked it as well, so I, I was happy with that pick. There was, there was I said I said to you off camera. There was one other game, uh, other knock that wasn't on that list, but I remember vividly. It was in 2010, and we played away at Knots, and we were fighting for our lives um, in terms of staying up in Div One. And we we were going nicely with Neil McKenzie there, but he, we lost a cluster of wickets later on. And we, with about an hour or so left in the final day, we needed 50-odd to win with two wickets in hand, with Rangana Herath at the other end. And I remember Neil McKenzie just carrying him along with him staying there, and he hit a, a six in like the last or second-to-last over of the day. And we won that game and stayed up pretty much because of that win. So that would be one that I would throw in there. It's not the, the big score, because I think he only got 130-odd. But it was a crucial match winning against the wall, not from a special player. And that'll be Yeah, one. I mean, that's true. I think with this list, it was kind of, you know, I'm looking back and in a way, the, the big scores are the ones that stand out. But I can also think of ones where sort of in a similar sort of vein, um, Riley Russo up at Headingley when we chased 300 odd. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of a, not a Ben Stokes-esque one in terms of what he did against Australia, but it's one of those last four innings chases where he just made a, a score that took it to Yorkshire. And at the time, Yorkshire, I think, had just won the championship twice in a row. So the quality of that knock mm-hmm. was, was there for all to see, but obviously it isn't necessarily going to get into these sort of lists. That's the sort of thing that oh, Russo can do, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, for, the, for the 10 times it doesn't come off, the one time that does is when it actually matters in a fourth innings chase when you've got no chance of winning. Yeah. <laughs> so I think um, my I voted Carberry, yes, because yeah. it's a triple ton. And the caveat with that is that it was a those days the Aegis Bowl was getting very, very flat and not a lot was happening. And, of course, they put on that record 500 partnership with Neil McKenzie. My favourite knock that I was actually on the ground for was the Vince 240. It was kind of, I wouldn't say cheap runs, because no 240 is cheap, but it was in the position where um, it was a second innings knock and um, Essex were miles and miles behind and it was just a matter of go out there, put a total on the board that Essex are going to get nowhere near and it was just sort of licensed to have fun and he did that and... That 240 came in, you know, no time at all. That was that was a really, really normal day. Well, <laughs> mm. That's the thing with James. I could watch him back to dip 24, never mind 240, and it'd be a good 24. Exactly. He's, he's that sort of guy, isn't he? That's when he gets yeah. going. And you just... just want to be out there and on the ground when he's... Because my, my point with him is I've always said this, that he's never out of form. No. But, Sometimes he gets a low score, sometimes he gets a high score. Mm. He's never not in Nick. And it's great to be at the Aegeus Bowl or away games, etc., knowing that he'll be coming in at some point because yeah. it's, it's a don't move when it, when he's out there. Exactly. We're going to go on to it in a minute, but I was looking at the list today. I think I was at every single one of those games where he made those big scores. Mm. And they were all just ridiculous, to be honest. 
Yeah, rather than go to the Red Bull Bowl, let's let's go to those 40, 50 over cricket knocks. Mm. So we've, we've said um, that James Vince appeared on three of the four choices that I gave people. Vince 190 against Gloucestershire last year. Vince 171 not out against Yorkshire in 2018. That was a semi-final. Yeah. Riley Russo at Lords 125 against Kent. And finally, Vince 178 against Glamorgan in 2017. And of course, the 178 and the 190 were records for Hampshire. Or the 178, I think, beat a long-standing record from Gordon Greenwich. And then, of course, the 190 is now the Hampshire List A record. What was your favourite or vote, vote in that one? Do you know what the funny thing is? Three of those games we won and the Glamorgan game we lost. Yeah, I think that was his best knock. Okay. I, remember, I remember being at that game and he was effortless for 178, from, from 1 to 178. And he only got out at the end because he was trying to play like a, re, a reverse sweep or something over the keeper with about two overs left. <laughs> they couldn't have got him out if he'd, have been, if he'd have been there all day otherwise. The Gloucester game I was at as well, and he, it was brilliant, brilliant innings. But the first 40 or so was nowhere near his best. And then he got good after about, he got up to 50. Yeah, so I can remember 178. the time. Yeah, I remember remarking at the time, I think Hampshire were in that game something like 50 for three. Yeah, that's And right. sometimes in list A games, things can go a bit one way or the other. You can be like 80 for five before you know it. And yeah. him and Dawson, Dawson yeah. put it up to a monster. And you think if it, that had been one of your more steadier starts, then he might have been looking at 250 that day. Yeah, exactly. They, they couldn't have got him out all day. It's only because he was... He was messing around at the end. They got himself out. And we ended up losing that game. Even though we set a mammoth score, they stayed, somehow got them. OK, so you're voting for the Glamorgan one I'm, then. I'm, for, in terms of the knock, I'm taking the Glamorgan one. But in terms of the importance, I'm taking Russo. OK. Because it was the final. Yes. So yeah, it's a really Russo. hard one. And I think this one, out of all the categories I asked um, listeners to vote on, was pretty much neck and neck between the Vince 190, the 171, the Russo 125. I would give my casting vote to the 190, I think. Not because it's the highest score, but because of what we were talking about in terms of he had to work for it early on. Yeah, and that's a fair Sorry. point because it wasn't a typical Vincey knock where he's fluent from ball one. He actually had to grind it out for a bit and then he once he got to 50, the last 140 were pretty special. So now that's, that's perfectly acceptable, I'd say. Okay. And going back to Red Bull batsmen though, so across the 10 years, yeah, who was your favourite batsman or who do you think was the best batsman? Neil McKenzie. Okay. Neil McKenzie. Again, it's probably not the sexy pick. It's probably someone like Carberry or Vince, but McKenzie was exactly what we needed at the time. He'd be exactly what we need right now. That experienced, international, reliable batsman who can bat in any format, but in the championship, he just gets your hard runs. Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I mean, we're very fond of Neil McKenzie. A lot of people say, oh, we never replaced him, and they're, they're completely correct. I think I would put my votes for James Vince for two reasons. One, the entertainment factor. Yeah. And two, the fact he played every year. So yeah. if we're doing of the decade, then 
Yeah, the luck is I think we had Mackenzie just played three of the ten seasons, so that would be my reason for going for James Vince. That's fair. I was talking to his biggest fan, so that's fine by me. <laughs> um, honourable mention, I think, to um, to Michael Carberry in that uh, he played some really, really good stuff, especially the first part of the decade. And again, he was a great favourite, but due to illness, etc., he tailed off a bit. But he'd done so much over the previous years that um, he's a great player for us. Again, those four, Carberry, Vince, Mackenzie, Adams, any of them. Really? Anyone you think was sort of unlucky to miss out? Where would you put Irvin or Dawson in that? I'd put Irvin above Dawson as a batsman. I think Dawson, actually, the last couple of years has got a lot better, a lot more reliable. Uh, the early part of the decade, I don't think he was a particularly big con- contributor with the bat, which is why he ended up going out on loan. But the back end of the decade, he's become one of our best players and now is one of our most consistent and best batsmen. But I personally would put Irvin above him. And when we're talking white ball cricket, who who would you be your favourite batsman of the, the last 10 years? James Vince. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Again, Carvery is another one. I really like Michael Lum as well. Probably wouldn't be on there, but I, I love watching Michael Lum for a little bit. But yeah, Carvery and Vince are the two. Yeah, that's that's who I've got. I've got Vince and Carvery. I mean, middle part of the decade, they were absolutely dominating as an opening partnership, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. And... That form actually, to some extent, got Michael Carberry on an Ashes tour. Yeah, I thought, um, thought again. I mean, that's probably a separate topic, but he was treated so badly by England, it's unreal. And he, and you know, he should he should have been called up way before he was. And when he did, he went on that you know fateful tour where England got obliterated, and half the team almost packed the bag and went home before the last game. And he actually braved it out to the end and actually did himself reasonably well and never played again, which was mm. ordinary to say the least. Yeah, he certainly deserved another go against a slightly easier attack of Sri Lanka the, the following summer. But uh, that's unfortunately in the past now. So let's move over to the bowling. Normally in these sort of lookbacks of the decade, you get sort of recency bias in terms of something more recent tends to win uh, just because people remember it more. But this next pick was an absolute 100% win and it was the best bowling performance of the decade um, and the choices were Kyle Abbott 17 for 86 against Somerset in September 2019 you could have also had David Balkham 8 for 71 against Gloucestershire back in 2012 Kyle Abbott 7 for 41 against Yorkshire 2017 and James Tomlinson, 6 for 48 against Glamorgan in 2014. And there's there's nowhere else to look, is there, apart from Kyle Abbott, is there? No, nah, unbelievable. 17 wickets, cost them the title. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brilliant. Yeah, an 8 that's, for that's and a 9 for. That's the final, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. An 8 for and a 9 for... Um, something like the fourth best bowling analysis since the Second World War um, for any first-class cricket anywhere, not just county cricket, not just for Hampshire. Um, so whilst it came very late in the decade and is the most recent of these performances, um, yeah, it's an absolute no-brainer. And there wasn't even anyone who voted for one of the others for a laugh it was <laughs> I think I, I think I went to at least a day or two of the bowl can make for 71 because I do remember that mm. and um, that he, he bowled really well that day to be fair but 
Yeah, you, you can't you can't look anywhere else. Seventeen for eighty six is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I remember the the Abbott seven for forty one was a game we'd already talked about, mm-hmm. um, where Hampshire did a large-ish fourth innings chase, and that was the fact that they were in a position to even get anywhere near that was because of Kyle Abbott's seven for forty one. I wasn't there, but that would have been something special. I remember Fidel having a good day against Knotts in one of the games at Trent Bridge, and he took five for bowling people out all over the place. Was, was yeah, and I was at Cardiff when uh, Tomo got six for 48, and that was to win the Division Two title. Yeah. With a beard not too dissimilar to yours currently. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> modern, the Tomo look. It's pretty good, isn't it? Yeah. Um, are there any bowling performances not on here that a worthy of consideration or I mean nothing's going to be Abbott is it but anything that's sort of underrated bowling wise or only the one I was thinking of a Fidel but again I can't remember the exact numbers but I, I don't think so he's had a couple of good days here and there but again nothing that's going to compare to 17 for 86 if that's what we're picking then it has to be that yeah and it's the sort of thing if, if we're doing this in 10 years time yeah you know we're not even going to get get close to do, doing this are we no, not unless someone does a gym later and takes the lot. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, maybe if we get to play again at some point, Kyle might be able to do that. But, um, yeah, it's just an incredible performance. 17 wickets for 86 runs. And, yeah, my word. And this is the thing that... So, yeah, 100% best bowling performance. Uh, listeners, myself and you, we're all in agreement. That's the best. Best bowler of the decade. Is it Kyle Abbott or somebody else? Who have you gone for? Yeah, I've, I've taken Kyle. Just just so consistent. Apart from that one little spell he had, two, was it two years ago, where he had a couple of months where he went off the boil. But he's been such a, a difference maker to have an actual out-and-out international quality scene bowler on any pitch. If he's got a little bit of help, then good luck to you. Because he's going to knit the ball around all over the place and... He's just so consistent. Fidel Edwards deserves a mention as well because he's one of my favourite players and he's just, he's a bit, occasionally he's a bit hit and miss, but when he's on, he is dynamite. But, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm voted, I voted Fidel just because he's my absolute favourite. And yeah, I mean, Abbott and Edwards combined to some extent define the decade in the championship in Definitely. the. There's no way we'd be anywhere near Division 1 without those two. Well, that's the point. Before them two came, we were obviously in Div 2. Tomo had an unbelievable year, and we got promoted. And then the year after, we we were scratching around for bowlers all over the place. And it was only once those two came that changed us from down with the rats and mice at the bottom of the league to actually being a semi-decent team. Mm. And it's one of those, I mean, if you think about, I should have worked this out, but how many games Hampshire actually won across the whole decade? Um, Almost every game we won in the second half of the decade certainly wouldn't have been possible without at least one of those people. Yeah, definitely. Um, and we, we missed, back to Fidel, I mean, to take your point, when, when he got injured the other year, we missed him massively, massively. Even though we still had Kyle, we missed, we missed Fidel. So you can definitely make that argument that he's as, as important as Kyle is for definite. Yeah, and the 2016 season when we should have been relegated, um, Edwards, yeah, missed the season. He played maybe the first couple of games and then that was him gone and then we never competed. Luckily, we were reprieved due to Durham's misfortune, but um, yeah, just showed what a difference he made. 
Um, other honourable measures mentions, I think, for James Tomlinson, Gareth Berg, yeah. etc. Yeah, Gareth Berg again, another one, one of my favourite players. Brilliant signing, came at the right time. It looked like his career was probably finished at Middlesex, and then he came to Hampshire, and we got three or four amazing years out of him. So consistent. Dawson, Tomo, had an unbelievable year. David Balkham had one unbelievable year. But yeah, those two are the best two, Edwards and Abbott. They are. And the, the the real reason that what we were saying earlier, that it's such a shame that there's certainly not going to be a full championship season because we think that Nathan Lyon would have been the perfect complement to those two. And we've had a great backup signing as well for 2019 when Keith Barker was a great thing in giving those two a rest because the problem was sometimes that Abbott and Edwards were bowling so much that it was tricky whereas uh, Barker, Dawson can bowl quite a lot of overs these days with a lot of control that's the thing that he's done particularly well on in the last few years is his control. Yeah, Dawson especially again in one day cricket, Dawson when you consider he bowls left arm spin, he goes on like four and over in all competitions, which is why Mason Crane gets so many wickets, because they, the other batsmen think, I've got to take this lad on, because he can't get Dawson away, and it opens up space for other bowlers. So Dawson doesn't always get the, the eye-catching numbers, but he mm. takes two for 30 every game. And, yeah. and if you have a bit like the... Um, we're, we're talking more about, yeah, uh, limited overs bowling. It was a bit like we used to basically say that Demi Mascarenas on the T20 is basically put him down for four overs two for 19 yeah that just seemed to be his analysis every yeah. single game yeah and Dawson's I think similar that he's going to be like two for 32 every list day game yeah I think he would have benefited from having Nathan Lyon in the championship as well because again they, have, they couldn't have got Lyon in as well as well as someone to say like Crane or a fourth seamer and again it would have put more pressure on him to go after Dawson and he might have got a few more wickets in there as well. You know, it's a big loss really not having the season because that bowling attack was made for it. It was made for this year. I was expecting more from Barker this year. I thought he had a good season last year. Chances are he put it in better this year. Edwards, Abbott and the two spinners. You know, so yeah. It is, it is our year. It's, it's there. It's, if we could have got a consistent batting lineup, then it's our year. <laughs> so the best bowling performance in Listdale... So this is 40 over, which we used to play at the start of the decade. And 50 over performance is from 2014 onwards. Uh, the choices were Liam Dawson, 6 for 47 against Sussex in 2015. Mm-hmm. Gareth Berg, 5 for 26 against Lancashire in 2019. Chris Wood, 5 for 22 against Glamorgan. And Dimi Vescarinus, he had... What, sorry, I've just lost the page. 5 for 42 mm-hmm against Lancashire in 2013. What what did you vote there? I picked Bergie, 5 for 26, again, because of the uh, the circumstances, sent us off to Lords. So, yeah, I, I picked that. Um, again, again, you could pick any of those. There were some good ones in there. Dawson, 6 for Sussex, good good performance. But again, just, just on the importance of the game, I took Gareth Berg. I agree. Yeah, I, I voted the same way there. And that one was a winner by quite a way. Um, semi-final. The others were, I think, generally group games or earlier rounds. So it's that knockout game that basically gives Gareth Berg the thing. Who would you say was the best bowler in list A cricket? There's, there's a lot to choose from. Wood, Briggs, 
Dimmy, Dawes, or somebody else, because generally we're quite well off for white ball bowling. Yeah, that's a quite a tricky question, actually. I, I'd maybe lean towards Dimmy Mascarenas, but again, that's going to be early part of the decade. And yeah, my other choice would be Dawson. And again, he's played, like you said earlier, like Vince, he's played the whole decade. So I maybe would slide just towards Liam Dawson. Okay. Um, yeah, I think I would go go along the same, just again, and on how good he's been in the last few years. Played the whole decade, great to watch. Um, and you know that when he comes in, and if we're in a bit of bother, he's generally going to drag it back for you. Mm. And I think the reliability that he must give the various people that have captained him must be very, very handy to have in the side. I was going to say, you could have made the case maybe for Chris Wood for the early part of the decade because, again, in big games, he put in some really good performances, but he's had a lot of injuries the last couple of years and he's not quite been the same. So I'd probably, I'd, I'd probably slide with Dawson. Yeah, Chris Wood, I mean, he bowled the last over against Yorkshire when we won the T20 in 2012. And he doesn't get in because, unfortunately, he was largely injured, but who can forget Cabarani's last over at Lords yeah. in 2012. <laughs> so if there was an over of the decade. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because it goes down in folklore, but it wasn't that good an over. <laughs> he got carted <laughs> for four, and then the ball that won it was a full toss that Neil Carter should have put onto the nursery road, and he missed <laughs> it. And it was a brilliant bit of work by Michael Bates, to be honest, because he couldn't have expected a full toss. So to catch it and stump the guy was a bit of genius. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I think we're all in agreement that the, the best bowler across the whole decade for Hampshire in white ball cricket or list A cricket has to be Liam Dawson. So we'll just talk a bit briefly about, we also put in some T20 performances as well. There was a choice between Michael Carberry, 100 not out against Lancashire 2013. Shahida Freedy, 101 against Derbyshire 2017. James Vince, 107, Worcestershire 2015. And Jimmy Adams, 100 not out against Surrey in 2010. Favourite of those or best one, you think? Um, I would probably take a freely uh, just because it was the one time he came off as a batsman and it was gee, it was it was funny and brilliant and crazy and all those things wrapped into one as a freely is the interesting thing about those ones yeah so i i was at the 3d i went up to derby for that it was the quarter final it was a knockout game so there's credit there but it also should be noted that Michael Carberry and James Vince's efforts there were also in knockout games, yeah. uh, both quarterfinals. So our listeners voted a 3D a long way. I don't know if that's necessarily the Pakistan supporting uh, listeners. Or... <laughs> I was going to say, I hope this wasn't on the actual Hampshire website because it would have got 250% of the vote if it would have been on there. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I, I'm gonna, I'm going to do... I would vote a 3D as well there. But I think the Carberry one I was at as well, mm. that was that was a really, really good knock. And Lancashire were, or are a very decent T20 side. Yeah, so I think that's fair enough to go for a, a 3D there. Just because, yeah, the one the one time it came off. And, of course, true to form yeah. the semi-final against Knotts at finals day, I was livid because he slapped the first ball a full toss down mid-wicket's throat. And I was that's like, normal. that's exactly... Shahida Freedy. Exactly. I mean, it was the one time as a batsman he came out. He was a good bowler for us, to be fair to him, but as a batsman, we never really got anything out of him apart from that one day. And that was, I think, the, 
probably in a way he was kind of the most misunderstood cricketer mm. for Hampshire in that everybody thought that he was going to do the business with the bat but that's never been what he's about he was more a sort of Tahir type where you, yeah. you take four for 25 you know straight off the reel and you remember the games very early in the decade when it was Tahir, Afridi, Briggs yeah, and four. Dawson all bowling together mm. yeah exactly I mean it's it's, it's almost like the, uh, the Essex boy, a Graham Napier effect. He had one big day on Sky, scored a million runs, and everyone thinks he's, he can bat. And then Freddie had the same thing. He was sort of had one big score early on his his career, and everyone thinks he's this incredible batsman all rounder. And really, he's an incredible bowling all rounder who can hit the ball a long way once every twenty goes. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and then we're just talking about the bowling. Yes, yeah, so the best performances. I um, mean. We've got Dawson, 5 for 17 against Somerset 2016. Danny Briggs, 5 for 19 against Durham 2011. Shahid Afridi, 5 for 20 against Gloucestershire 2011. And Sean Irvin, 4 for 12 against Gloucestershire in 2010. What was your favourite of those or rate, rated highest there? Again, that's a pick'em, isn't it? they got three figures that are pretty much identical. So I'd probably take... Dawson's 5 for 17. It's the best figures. Somerset are the best opposition out of those three teams. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably take that. Yeah, that was the one the, the listeners had gone for. I, I went with Danny Briggs, 5 for 19, because mm-hmm. that one was a quarterfinal. Yeah, fair um, So the, the pressure is on there. That, that was what gave him the nod. And, of course, Danny Briggs, in a way, was basically the person that had to make way for Liam Dawson's resurgence that Liam had spent some time on loan at Essex and then forced his way back into the Hampshire side but that meant that Danny Briggs effectively had to make way being the weaker batsman etc yeah so it's unfortunate a bit about modern cricket these days is you have to be able to bat even the bowlers have to be able to bat a bit and Danny was a good Good bowler, and especially in the limited over stuff. But again, I think Hampshire always had that one eye on the four-day stuff as well, and his record of that isn't particularly strong. And how do you get them all in at the time? You've mentioned it earlier about four spinners at one point. So how you just how do you get them all in? Yeah, so that kind of covers all the formats. So if we're talking about the best batsman for Hampshire, all formats the last 10 years, who are you going for? I'll take Vincey. Yeah, I think we... Sorry, I was just going to say, just because, again, just consistency in all formats. I like Neil McKenzie as a, a four-day batsman, but, you know, he's not far behind in that. And, again, he's probably been our best player in both the one-day formats. So, I think overall, I think James Vince would be the best batsman. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think playing the whole decade, uh, four-day cricket, he can turn the game. One-day cricket, he certainly can turn the game. Um, the enjoyment factor then is best performer by a long way and that is what our listeners voted for uh, with the ball best player of the decade with the ball um, Carl Abbott I think agree yeah whilst his uh, white ball numbers are not so strong just through what he means for Hampshire in terms of points won in the championship is absolutely massive I've got my own soft spot for Fidel so that'd be my choice but uh, I'd have no complaints at all about anyone going for Kyle Abbott. And the final question out of that is Vince or Abbott then? Mm-hmm. Best player, full stop. I suppose it's whether you're a bowler or a batter, really, isn't it, that question? 
I can have both. <laughs> <laughs> no, if you could only have one, who would you go for? Vince. Okay, I'd go for Abbott mm. on that. Because I think, as we were saying earlier, that if we hadn't have had Kyle Abbott in the team for the last few years, then we probably wouldn't be in Division 1. No, that's a fair point. It's, it's really hard to pick. And, I, mean, I, think, I think that's probably a, a decent point because we, had, we didn't have Vincey for a lot of last year and we still did okay. I don't think we could last the season without Kyle Abbott. But I'm just going on overall player, who I like to watch the most. His contribution for 10-year period. I'm taking Vince, but it's, I mean, that's a, that's a coin flip. Yeah, I mean, I suppose Abbott arrived, what, he had a spell back in 2014, and then he's played 2017, 2018, 2019. So he's played four of the ten seasons, so he's played enough to uh, qualify, I'd say, in the second league. The amount of games that we've won across the whole decade, he's probably been involved in most of those, because that's barely won a game in 2016, for example. Um, and we didn't win too many in 2010 or 2011 either. So <laughs> Some long um, days watching uh, medium-paced bowling go around the park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. And the final question then. What would be your moment of the decade? We've got four choices. The limited overs double in 2012. Returning to Division 1 with the Division 2 title in 2014, winning the T20 title at home 2010, or the one-day cup win at Lords in 2018. What what did you go for there? Out of the four, I picked, the, obviously, the double. I think the double was the best one, obviously, with the final at Lords, which we should never have won. Um, but there's one other one I would like to get put in there as well, which was the Great Escape. Okay. When we were absolutely down all for four days until the last day. And somehow we pulled it out of the bag at Nottingham to win that game and, and stay up. So that would be one that I'd throw in there as well. But of the four, it's got to be the double. Yeah, I'd agree. I think the double was my my favourite. But, I mean, all, all four of these were great, great moments of the, uh, of the decade. The other one that's not mentioned, which is a bit naughty in a way, was um, it was my birthday, which is a week after the season ended, standing at Windsor Racecourse and getting a text to say, oh, Durham have been relegated, you're staying up. <laughs> <laughs> that was, was a, also quite was a funny Emerson? moment. Was it from Martin Emerson? <laughs> no. <laughs> I suppose without that and without the great escape in 2015 that you mentioned, we possibly wouldn't be even thinking about um, first division seasons at the end of the decade, would we? So they're all vital moments in the last 10 years. But that limited overs double was was something special. Not many teams do it. And everything clicked. We just had such an awesome one-day side at the time. It's hard enough to win one trophy and then to win a pair of them. Yeah, it was a brilliant effort. So it's been like T20 is a complete lottery as well. So... To, to get there and win that, yeah, that's that's got to be that's got to be number one of the four. Yeah, the listeners voted the same way, and I think it's um, there were votes for the other selections in there, but I'm guessing that that was either for perhaps personal reasons it meant more to particular people who voted, perhaps. But that's fair yeah, the, the one day double would be the uh, the thing. So that was basically the 2010s, a very enjoyable decade for Hampshire, never dull. Apart from some of those pitches early on in the decade were a bit tedious, but yeah, and I wasn't too fan, much of a fan of the day night stuff either. 
the day night uh, four day games. Oh yeah, God, yeah, they <laughs> were. Nothing. Been shelled. So the twenty twenties, as we spoke, we're currently under lockdown. There's no, not going to be any cricket anytime soon. What do you think will happen this season? Do you see any play at any point in any format? I think they're going to struggle. I think the only way they might get something in is they'll have to do a very quick sort of T20 competition at the back end of the summer. They could they could fit that in probably in about three or four weeks if they played nearly every other day and just rattle through it. But it's the only it's the only format you can play. It's over in a few hours a game where you could get a tournament in in probably a month. I mean, I don't know how you're going to do a championship. Or, I mean, well, the one-day cup's at the window anyway. They've already basically scrapped that um, in favour of um, some other slap-and-dash nonsense. <laughs> um, but I, I don't think that'll happen either. I think that'll get canned for a year, which has canned for 101 years. But I think if one is going to be all we're going to get. So I think they might. If they get anything, it'll be a T20 competition at the back end of the summer. August, September time. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, whilst it's not my favourite format, I, I'm desperate to watch anything at the moment. And if it was possible, if restrictions by then mean that you can get crowds of people in, that potentially you might get people flocking to some sort of T20. But the trouble is, as time goes on, you sort of, the chances reduce all the time. And it's a sort of thing where you think, actually, this season could be a complete write-off and we have to start again in 2021. I, I think that's likely, if I'm honest. Now we're just going to be given the news that we've got three more weeks of lockdown. That takes us into mid-May or the start of May. And then to, to the, the thought of getting 10,000 spectators all back together again by August, I can't see it happening. And it's not like football where behind closed doors the clubs can still make money cricket it's it's just not going to have the same impact if you take the crowd away then what's the point in playing the t20 because the only thing it's really good for is getting a crowd and making the club's money that's the thing you know that yeah the clubs will need every penny they can get so you're sort of yeah you're keen that yeah let's just have the t20 played out in full we'd have seven eight home games hopefully be at decent capacity and fill or try and cover some of the shortfall in the coffers. But again, my fear now is that group or large gatherings just won't be allowed. Or even if we're allowed to go to work again and not be working from home, that, yeah, it's just not going to happen this year, unfortunately. No, I don't think so. That's, that's just the way I see it as well. I just can't see it all being relaxed enough to get crowds together for sporting events any time before the winter really or I mean late late summer August you know I can't see it I can't see it yeah so on on that note um, unfortunately sorry to stop on a downer but um, yeah we hope that uh, you enjoyed listening to this podcast and looking back at the last 10 years um, you can tweet us at Hans Fan Podcast uh, with your views if you want to talk cricket talk Hampshire last time if you want to tell us we're completely wrong and we're all idiots and I don't know a three for 25 that we completely forgotten about was actually the best bowling of the year then <laughs> let us know we'd love to hear from you um, or somebody made us 12 and it was amazing okay. <laughs> the truth effect yeah a Warwickshire or something and you were there on a Tuesday and you were the only person there and you think it was actually the best innings of the decade, but nobody saw it. Let us know. Not in the uh, Carter's knock. 
Oh yes, Andy Carter. <laughs> that we should probably do another one of these with just funniest moments of the decade. <laughs> Just do an Andy Carter episode. <laughs> anyway, on that note, we'll speak to you all again. Cheers. Cheers.